Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. Due to the pandemic, we bring you One Bad Mother straight from our homes, including such interruptions as children, animal noises, and more. So let's all get a little closer while we have to be so far apart. And remember, we are doing a good job. This week on One Bad Mother, like my father before me, wait, maybe not just like my father and his father. We talked to Ben Bershares and Elizabeth Berglund about their children's book, The Great Whipplethorpe Bug Collection. Plus, Biz is on the move. Woo! <laughs> this is a check-in. So, a minute ago was the second time in two weeks I have just went ahead and pulled over and peed into a pee jug because apparently I have no more fucks. I don't care. I'm not going to, like, wait to get to a place where I have to go to the bathroom and, like, you know, let my bladder burst. So I don't know who I've turned into, but apparently I don't have any fucks to give. Um, you're both doing a really good job, and everyone else is, too. Bye. I really appreciate the ambiguity of your call and not knowing if the need for urgent pain is because you are pregnant or because you had a baby and it somehow affected the peeing or or neither of those things. And you just have too much to fucking do because you are a parent to stop and pull over to pee. I've been there. I have been in that situation where you leave in the morning and you discover you haven't been home in six hours. I think you're amazing. And I think necessity is the foundation of invention. And I I just, I think this is great. Because of calls like you, I never blink twice when I see women on the side of the street doing really anything. Doing anything. And trust me, you guys have called in to let me know all kinds of things you're able to do in your car without stopping. Bravo. You're amazing. Welcome to this side of the fence where there are no fucks given. Speaking of no fucks given, I actually give a few fucks about all the people who are making life possible (laughs) during this pandemic. Guys, the pandemic is still happening. It is. It is. I know. Vaccines. Good stuff. But yikes. And I am really looking forward to eventually having a doctor come on and answer my questions for those of us who have children under 12 who can't be vaccinated. Anywho, thank you, everyone in the medical profession. Doctors, nurses, RNs, the administrative staff, those that sanitize and clean all the areas that we all wander and walk through. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate all that you have done. Teachers, you are amazing. You are amazing. And I, I really think you have gone above and beyond this past year. And I will always work towards making your life as easy as possible. (laughs) Thank you to libraries. You're all starting to open all over the place, and I think that's amazing. Thank you to delivery services who are still bringing us food for those of us who are still terrified of the world. 
Thank you to all the people who help make sure that stores and restaurants and everybody are getting the supplies that they need. I just, and vaccines, thank you. Thank you, vaccines. Vaccines, you're wonderful. Thank you to the people who are poking us. Thank you to the people who are scheduling appointments to get us poked. I love you. You're wonderful. Speaking of wonderful and remotely terrified, I'm about to go on a trip. I'm going to Alabama. Now, this is not the usual Alabama trip that happens where me and the kids go for several weeks and Stefan joins during that. No, no, it's just me and I'm meeting my sister there because da 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 something I haven't shared on the show for a while is that I've been trying to get my parents moved out here to Pasadena to live with us, not in the house because no one wants to live in the same house in my family. But we're going to try and build a little house in the back and stick them there. And that's just been a big, complicated shit show of stress and not happening stuff. Well, now it's going to happen. It's coming. So I am so very excited. They're going to be out here in a couple of months, but this is the trip where Helen Michelle and I go down and help with any last minute final packing, garage sales, selling stuff. I'm freaking the fuck out because I'm going to be on a plane. I'm going to be in a hotel and I'm going to be running a car. I have three tubes of hand sanitizer to just like have on me at all times. I have very strong masks and I'm just really, really nervous that I'm not going to be able to do this. And I used to love doing this. Speaking of trying to recapture the greatness of the past, (laughs) we are going to talk to the author and illustrator of the new book, The Great Whipplethorpe Bug Collection, about finding out who we are in the shadows of greatness. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. This week, we are talking with Ben Brashares. His first children's book, Being Edie is Hard Today, was published by Little Brown in 2019. He writes about his life as a stay-at-home dad in a blog called The Sad Life, S-A-H-D. He holds an MFA in creative writing and has written for several magazines, including Rolling Stone, Men's Journal, and Entertainment Weekly. Elizabeth Berglund received a BFA in painting from the University of Colorado and works primarily with oils, watercolor, and pencil. Elizabeth grew up in Denver, Colorado, but now lives in Philadelphia. Together, their latest work is the Great Whipplethorpe Bug Collection. Welcome, Ben and Elizabeth. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Let me ask, before we get into this, who lives in your house? So right now, uh, I have a wife, and okay. uh, I have a 14-year-old boy <laughs> who is, yeah, exactly, yeah, you know, who's basically, I only know he's here when he's in the shower, and, and otherwise, <laughs> I don't I don't see him or hear him or anything. And I've got a, uh, a 12-year-old girl mm. and an, uh, an 8-year-old, soon-to-be 9-year-old boy. Elizabeth, yes. who lives in your house? I'm, I live with my husband. Okay. And my three children. Yes. I've got my almost 14-year-old daughter. 
a 12-year-old son and yeah, a 10-year-old sure. girl. <laughs> Sure, I don't know. After a point, the ages just really blend together. Yes. I, you know, like, I don't know. Yes. The short one, the taller one. <laughs> That's exactly. How that works. Exactly. This is not the first project you guys have worked on together. Your first book was Being Edie is Hard Today. That was y'all's first collaborative work. And now you guys have come out with the great Whipplethorpe Bug Collection. And I. I guess I'd love to know how you guys started working together. A lot of times with these types of books, somebody comes up with the idea and then a publisher is like, here's your art and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So how did you guys uh, do this? You know what? I'll start actually, Elizabeth, I'll start with you. Okay. Well, that's great that you have an understanding of how it typically works because most people don't. So we have to give that background because that is the, the typical path. An author will submit a manuscript and then just pair them with an illustrator so Ben and I, when we met, we were both just like miserable stay-at-home parents um, <laughs> that weren't getting any art done. And so spent most of our hours together talking about, you know, the awesome stuff we're going to make when yeah. our kids were older. So we had always talked about doing a project together. Our kids grew up a little. I moved to Philly and I was like, all right, it's now or never. We got to do this. So I had illustrated this little character, Edie. Uh-huh. And I had sent it to Ben and I said, okay, her name's Edie. It was, there were like a few different illustrations, one with like polar bear hands sitting on a swing. I was like, can you write? And so then he <laughs> sent back. Can you write? No. Do you can write? Can you write? No. I... <laughs> so then he sent back a few pages and it was like, awesome. I mean, it started out very, very dark and like, the story was about, you know, a little girl who was like almost, you know, trying on different personalities, yeah. and trying to, but she was like skinning animals and putting them on and seeing what it was like. And we hit a point where like, what are we doing again? Yeah. Like, are we making a children's book or? Silence and I mean, and Lambs had a big effect on me. As yeah. <laughs> so we kind of like, we're like, okay, okay, okay. Like, let's start over. Let's get going. We can really do this. Like, I think we could make something great that we can submit. And and for the record, it was Ben that kind of reined it in. I would have, like, loved for it to spiral out into some dark madness, you know. <laughs> ben is the one with you the connections. You saying I'm the one who chickened out? He's the one that wants to make money. Oh, oh like, money. I gotta make that paper. You're the money-grubbing. <laughs> so we got the first book out. And now the the new one, which is all about Chuck Whipplethorpe trying to understand his place in greatness, essentially, finding out sort of who he is amongst many generations of great men. There's actually, I feel like, I feel like there are two themes going on in this book when I read it. And I I guess I should start for people who haven't read it yet to maybe do like a brief synopsis of they've Chuck and his family have moved. So they're in a new home. They're surrounded by boxes. He's what, 10, 11? Mm-hmm. Looks roughly about that age. And uh, he's got a stay-at-home dad uh, who works on a computer. And one of my favorite parts of this book is Chuck, this kid says, you know, am I going to grow up and be, you know, boring like you? You're boring guy. <laughs> and then the dad shows him all of the men of the house, like of his family that have preceded him, mountain climber, you know, entomologist, deep sea diver. And now Chuck's trying to figure out 
where his place is in all of that. He's going, he wants to be great. He wants to bring greatness back to his family. So like I said, I feel like there were sort of two themes that came out of this for me. One was sort of the idea of what is masculinity when it comes to greatness. Also, just trying to learn how to be okay with yourself. So I want to start there. Talk to me about, Ben, I'm going to start with you. Talk to me about Chuck and uh, this sort of journey for him. Where did you want to take him yes so chuck well both both books the being ed is hard mm-hmm. today and and uh great Whipplethorpe book collection both are very much about identity and trying to find it ed was sort of more a little bit more somber a little bit um quieter more in her imagination she's using her imagination to try and find it chuck's looking back on his you know ancestry to try and find it so for Chuck himself personally, I you know I I'm the youngest of four, so I've I've always been sort of trying to find my way in relation to my older three siblings. That's always been a big deal for me to try and do something different from them, do something as good or whatever. But similarly, you know my in terms of you know my my father, my grandfather, and all them. It, there's there's some autobiographical elements there. I mean during this time that we were writing and trying to think of ideas for how to best do this book, I was, my dad was sailing across the Atlantic ocean on his own little boat. And I was sitting there, you know, on my laptop watching, I had this little app that could could track his whereabouts, you know, and I saw this little blip in the middle of the ocean as, you know, my children are climbing on my head and screaming for, (laughs) they're literally starving to death. You're not, you're not necessarily out on a boat braving it on your own. <laughs> I'm not, you know. I'm I'm about as far from that as possible. And partly by design, I think I'd lose my yeah, mind if exactly. I was out on a boat in the middle of the ocean. So, you know, we we end up with these our, you know, lives that we we choose, right? So, who he's running from his demons out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I've got my demons <laughs> sitting on my head. Right. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's um it's it's hard to say, you know, what what compels a person to do these things, but I found myself thinking, gosh, you know, am is this going to keep going like this? Are my poor kids going to be even like I wanted to use the word worse and that was a point of contention a little bit with the publisher, uh, with the editor, and we changed it to, you know, are getting a lot less great, which makes more sense and I actually it it ends up being better for the book because it's about the great Whipplethorpe. Yeah. And so Eventually, I was thinking, gosh, you know, that's that's kind of interesting. Are we are we are we devolving in some ways or are we evolving? And, you know, of course, it's it's both yeah. a little bit. You know, we, we don't have anything, any more continents to discover, any more giant land animals to go make extinct. Well, <laughs> oh, we can always find more. something to make extinct. Ben, we'll, what are you talking we'll, about? We'll, <laughs> we'll keep going. We'll keep well, working but, on like, that. I, I want to stop there and say that, like. Those sorts of notions of what greatness is, right? Like Mm. these notions of invading lands that may not be ours or, you know, slaughtering animals. And, you know, these ideas of what made a person great or a different generation great, that's not always true. And in fact, I think like this generation of kids are really sitting in a place of 
unpacking what that what that means and what that looks like. And I, my youngest, uh, Ellis, who is seven, I I gotta be just to show you where I am in the world with mine. Mm. I haven't even shown him this book because there is a moment in which there is a dead bug. And Ellis can't eat cookies that have faces. You can't give him like a Chewbacca cake. This is too upsetting. They're mm. like, he is deeply empathetic. And I, mm. and here's this book, which I think is empathetic. There's this moment where Chuck's gonna start his own great bug collection. And then he realizes in order to do that, he has to kill the bugs. And even when he decides to collect dead flies, Instead of live bugs, he glues them to paper. He still doesn't <laughs> stick them with the pen. And I, I know it's the best. It's the best. I love it. And I think it's such a, a nice, like, I felt that really deeply as an adult, given who my kids are and how they kind of, because I'm, I'm of the pre-generation Whipplethorpes. So I'm like, get out there, do it. Let's, let's just yeah, yeah. make our way through and toughen up and be, a, you know, I mean, I never do the be mm. a man shit, but you know, like there's a part of me that's like, mm. yeah. I myself, if I could live in flannel and carry an ax all day, I would. I thought that was really touching. Oh, it was so critical to us that the, that the main character in this was a boy yeah. and not a girl. Because like so much of like what we've been discussing and that, like all this other work, I, I'm working on a big painting series studying masculinity mm. right now. And like a lot of it was even prompted from Ben and our time together, like at, like as parents, like par parenting alongside each other, because we we're both stay at home parents at the time. And I was constantly being told you are doing the most important work. Like this is so good. And like they would basically like turn to him and be like, when are you going yeah. to work? You know, and for me, it just is like these things, if I want to be respected in the workplace and mm -hmm. I, like we need to be able to respect men in yep. caretaker roles. And I'm like, they have to go together. Like, yeah, you can't just overwhelmingly. I agree. You can't just be like, yeah, make room. If, you, if, if I want the equality, then I, I, that has to be asserted as well when it comes to that Extended. role for men. I 100% I agree. This, we always made an effort on the show to really promote that because it's bullshit that stay-at-home dads like get shunned out of like mom groups and stuff, right? Like they must be here to look at my boob. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, I know. or it's I know. dad's just bored <laughs> out of their fucking mind and <laughs> needs to be out and kill some time. So I loved... I loved that it was the stay-at-home dad with a son. And I'm going to now ask you about the art because something else that jumped out, not only do I want to ask about the choice of the people not having color, they're colorless. I mean, they just have their outline, but there's no, no, they're like as white as the page that they're drawn on. Mm -hmm. But there's a, a page in which it's got the great Whipplethorpe men who have come before and they're all you know it's pretty colorful so there's the great-grandfather i mean the great-great-grandfather the great-grandfather the grandfather and then the current dad and i and the current like there's like you know the explorer they've got the guy they got all the stuff and then there's the dad in the with the baby carrier facing front what were those the er, ergo ergos 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 i don't yeah, know exactly. i tried strapping my baby to me a million ways and none of them worked yeah but, yeah which is 
colored, which is such a, it's just like this very pronounced piece of equipment on the dad. Talk to me about, about illustrating this and these choices. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that spread has been come up multiple times already, really? right, Ben? It, just because, as you pointed out, stylistically, it is, yeah. it's different than the rest of the book. And that spread gave me more trouble than any other spread. I mean, I must have redone it so many times because, you know, stylistically, as you as you noted, the, the characters are all yes. in negative space and all the colors in the background and it, it's making them pop in that way. And all the characters are also in profile. And I wanted these like really clean, simple lines and initially had done the portrait page just like that. All of them were like in profile and it just didn't, it, it matched the style of the rest of the book, but it didn't read like a portrait. Mm. And that was obviously really important. It was like, we're, we're trying to show like, you know, we wanted to push, like these were like actual yeah. people. And like, these are actual photographs that he pulled out. Not just, it, it, when they were, it was done more stylized. It looked like it was in his imagination or, you know, like there, so that the, those, a lot of the decisions on that one were actually practical yeah. ones, um, just to make them look like photographs. One of Ben's ideas that you might note in that spread also, the, the frames are descending in ordinateness. Yeah but ascending in color. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Genius. Yes. Genius. Genius. I don't even know why you guys are working together. But I. <laughs> but with that, there's also a descendance, as it were, in quote unquote masculinity. Like that, like, like there's, exactly. and then like there's this, there's this dad with his baby on him, you know, yeah. nothing threatening yeah. there. And like, <laughs> yeah. And, I love it because I what I like about that last picture is that the dad still looks it looks completely okay with who they are. He's, he's so, so happy. happy. Yeah, he's so yeah. happy. And yeah, and that's so much of the conversation we're wanting yeah. to have. It's like expanding our uh, definition of masculinity. Yeah. What does it mean to be a man? You know, and those are questions like I, I think it's important to ask. And, you know, like I, I think for me, when my son hit 10 was the first moment I, I saw these kind of like the social impact of feeling this masculine social pressure to like be less affectionate with his friends. Mm -hmm. He wasn't wanting to give them gifts on holidays. He felt embarrassed about that. Oh, like he didn't want to hold their hands in public. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. You know, like I felt we had done all this work in the home to create an environment where like he's an extremely yeah. affectionate kid. And yet, like, you know, these these forces are strong and it's coming from all over the place. And so I want him to live a full yeah. life, you know, socially. And I think as as women, I think we're we have a lot more while restrictions are obvious, you know, in pay and workplace and all that. But socially, I'd say we have a lot more mobility. Mm. Like I can dress masculine, That's I can very dress feminine, true. I can be affectionate with my girlfriends and never is my femininity challenged. Right. Whereas for men- Well, as for men, any sense of that makes them more female, which is negative as a, as exactly. a whole, right? Like that, like our society, exactly. we can like do whatever uh, in terms of dressing or like yeah. uh, our interests, that still doesn't erase the negative view of what is feminine. Absolutely. And that's the baseline problem is that negative female is seen as yeah. lesser. And, and that that sucks for guys because there are 
I mean, I, again, I can only speak from my own experience with my kids and, you know, my youngest, that's, that's not going to be <laughs> their life. Probably. I don't think they're going to wake up one morning and be like, yeah, I am ready to just disrespect women and go out there and fucking <laughs> just, bleh, you know, spread my legs on the subway, uh, whatever other cliche stereotype <laughs> I have of what masculinity is. You know, whether you, if you love animals, yeah, right? If you, if you take a little baby bird in and you feed it with a little eyedropper and you wake up every four hours to care for it, does that make you less of a man? Right. Does it make you more feminine? That to me, like that's, that's where it sort of hits home a little more for me. I mean, obviously it hits home for me as I stay at home dad for the last 14 years yeah. and all that. But for me, it's about... Do you need to conquer, kill, explore? You know, I'm not someone who, you know, I have a lot of fears. I, I have a lot of illogical fears and things. And, you know, they've governed a lot of my life, unfortunately. And, you know, is that feminine? I, you know. <laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. No, but that's a good question. I mean, it, it may even be that we need to just take those two words out altogether, right? Because... Even by saying, does that make me feminine? Which, by the way, I presented yeah, I mean, that question, so that's yeah. on me. Right. I guess that's more of the, the discussion that has to happen is less about, does it make me feminine? Does it make me masculine? Versus, does it just make me the person that I am? Absolutely. And, I, and I, it's taken me a long time to, I mean, it takes, I think everyone a really long time to just accept who the hell they are and say, it'd be kind of unapologetic about the things they do with the things they wear, yeah. you know, how they talk, all that. But man, we spend so much of our lives just way too concerned about that and feeling such shame about this and that. And I mean, for Chuck, he's, he's 10 years old or whatever he is. And that's happening about 30 years early, as far as I'm concerned, is <laughs> being comfortable with who he is, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I Hopefully that does come early for, for kids, boys or girls, you know, in terms of, hey, this is my thing. I'm different from my dad. I'm different from my granddad. But, you know, I'm different from my friends. But, heck, you know, that's just, that's that's it. And I, as as parents, you know, that's like they're the best gift we can give our kids, really, is just have the confidence to be able to do that. I know that as a parent, I went into this like, oh, yeah, mine are going to be like this, this, and this, and I'm going to do this, and never going to be a princess in this house, and we just princessed it out. <laughs> All of these things that we go into parenting thinking we know we're going to do and be, like, really cool with, and then there are kids in our house, and that it was all a lie <laughs> that we told ourselves. <clears throat> yeah. So I guess, and Elizabeth, I want to start with you on this, if you don't mind. And three kids. I always joke with Teresa, the other host on the show, she's got three kids. And I always joke, ah, you have like a real science experiment going on here. You've got like a full three. You could try different stuff on. What's changed? What did you think you were going to have maybe some control over? What's been interesting to witness as these kids have grown up? I mean, they're in that age now. They are... It's, all three yeah. of yours are in the zone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just, like, constantly blowing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I just, Woo! On the blowing just, train. <laughs> that's the thing that I'm, like, what, in terms of what surprised me, it's not that my kids have surprised me. I've surprised me. Yeah. Like, at yeah, how exactly. I just disappoint myself 
constantly. Everything we say, I'm not going to do my parents did. I've done times a thousand. Um, all I can do is apologize. <laughs> you know, they've got this like chaos artist mom. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to grow up. And, you know, like I, I always tell my kids, I'm like, look, like we're the same. Like, and I had kids young. So in some sense, you know, like we're the same. I'm like teen mom. I didn't have, you know, my kids as a teenager, but um, they, you know, like I'm like, we're, we're, we're here for like a blip in time on this earth. And I'm like, we're, we're literally the same. Like what I'm, I literally know nothing in terms of like the things that have surprised me, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's fascinating to watch. Like my kids at the age where they're absolutely pushing, you know, the gender binary and, oh, yeah, man. you know, their sexuality. And these things are such a normal part of their life and a normal part of their conversation. And, you know, those are not conversations I grew up with. So they yeah. weren't conversations I was expecting to have. So I'm always taken aback and curious and interested to hear what they have to say and the whys and just the non-binary, you know, the gender non-binary land has been a great conversation, you know, specifically with my oldest who, you know, she's, she'll be starting high school next year. And most of her girlfriends are non-binary and identify as bi Yep. And that's been fascinating. And and even, you know, that's happening here, happening out here in Pasadena as well uh, with mine going into the seventh grade. They just out they're out gaying each other as much as possible. And it's no I know. longer about like it's not a it, thing. It's no longer what it used to be when it comes to like it's 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 really different. And I hope like I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers that the fact that this generation of kids talks about it and that 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 non-binariness that like the stuff that we all grew up with because it's so different for them that some of the other things that went with living in a very heterosexual straight society where you know if you were a tomboy you were a lesbian (laughs) uh things like that that maybe those other sort of traditional aspects of yeah I mean I can't I can't imagine this book 20 years ago or 30 years ago yeah I mean I'm, I'm hopeful I mean and yet there's there's still some things about it there's themes about it that are very much the same yeah of you know like even the fact that like you know in in particular like I most of my daughter's uh female friends are identifying as non-binary but it's not as predominant with a lot of her male friends mm. well that right there mm to me is like, you know, I'm like, well, great. But also like, okay, they're, they're trying, they understand that as you pointed out earlier, female is considered weaker. It's a power grab. So they're like grabbing up, you know? So it's like, it's still, I'm like, that's the question. I'm like, is it, is it more of the same? You know, like, so I don't know. Mm. I think it's just women slowly weeding out the need for men. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, So glad I came I'm just kidding. Um, Ben, how about you, the parenting experience, the stay at home? Because I mean, I got to say, it's a different reflection in your house as the stay at home dad. I mean, your kids grew up with a, like a scenario that ought to, that comes with its own baggage right away. My youngest actually did like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Make a little poster. And he brought it home and it was a picture of him. And he said, a cleaner. And uh, he was, but he'd sort of seen me uh, just cleaning yeah. all the time, I guess. And um, 
I'm really proud about. But I'm not a very political person. I don't really get involved too much with the, I don't know, what's going on with the, you know, gender binary issues and all that and fluidities. And I, I just want my kids to be kind. I just want them to be kind people and open to whatever. And, and not, not to say I'm not interested in that stuff because I don't believe in all that. I, I know it's, I, I love that all of that's going on. I just, in my house, if you're a kind person, that goes a long way. I don't well, know. I think that that's the core of everything we've talked about, right? Just supporting yeah. kindness and being comfortable with being kind is, is, a, is really a great goal in general. Everybody, I am going to make sure that you can find the wonderful, the great Whipplethorpe Bug Collection. It is not only a beautifully written book, it is a beautifully illustrated book. And I could have gone into a lot more like, ooh, the size of the trees when he's, you know, sometimes the nature is greater than him and other times he's greater than, anyway. (laughs) It is just beautiful and wonderful and another great book to add to your collection. And like I always say, get one for you, get one for your library, get one for your school so that everybody has access to it. Ben and Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us and, you know, just talking this out. You guys are doing such a great job. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. One Bad Mother is supported in part by StoryWorth. And if there's ever been a year to make the dads in your life feel loved and appreciated on Father's Day, it's this one. Wait, what? Father's Day is coming? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Whoops! Guys, I love StoryWorth as a gift. I have given StoryWorth to both of my parents, and it it's an online service that helps every father figure or other relative or special person in your life to share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. So like every week, StoryWorth sends them an email uh, with different questions. So it's a great Father's Day gift because you'll get to know things about your dad that you might not have known before. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your dad's stories into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. So give your dad the most meaningful gift this Father's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com badmother. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com badmother for $10 off. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Teresa? Genius me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. Okay. I feel that a genius is warranted because it is my (laughs) seven-year-old Oscar's last day of first grade. (laughs) Oh, boo And... It's, it does feel 
like an achievement. Like it does feel like I'm, I'm thinking back to months ago in the thick of the remote yeah. schooling and the, you know, the transition to hybrid and all that stuff that just ne- just never went well. Like just <laughs> none of it yeah. ever went well. But at the same time, we did it. And I do feel like he had first grade. Like I do feel like he had first, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. don't feel like the year was lost. I feel like he did he got kind little, of at least little first go to first grade. grade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it feels good. You are correct. That does deserve a genius. Even if Oscar had received no first grade. Yeah. This was a freaking achievement just getting to this day this year. Yeah, I think so. I I really agree with you, Teresa. You did such a good job. Thank you. You are welcome. Okay, so I got to try and make this a short story, guys, but oh well. Both kids have had to go to the orthodontist and have had to go and get all their little teeth x-rays and all the stuff done. And with Kat, they have recommended, along with the braces, pulling teeth for adult teeth. This has been said to us before, you know, when we should have done braces two years ago. And I just, I don't want to pull the adult teeth. Does Kat have too many adult teeth? No, they don't have too many adult teeth. They say that there's not enough room for the teeth as as the mouth develops. And so wow. they want to take the teeth. Now, guys, I mean, it, I do, yeah. it is okay to not share orthodontist stories with me because yeah, geni- yeah. this is not part of the genius. The part of the genius yeah. is I have a long history of tooth loss. Yeah. I don't have many of my adult <laughs> teeth many i'm sorry and for laughing it's actually okay. not funny at all <laughs> it's no. it's funny it's not okay it's, it's no. funny the way you say it yes because i've learned not to cope funny. with it yeah. so big surprise this experience is a trigger for me mm-hmm. yeah. and i made the choice i just sat there and i said you know what I'm not going to sign this stuff today. I'm not, we're not going to agree to the procedure or any of this work yet. I actually have a specialist because I don't have many adult teeth. I see what is called a prostodontist, somebody who specializes in prosthetic oral treatment. Yeah. And if anybody knows mouths and sizes and spaces and the benefit or necessity of losing adult teeth, I feel secure in this person giving me advice. And so I called them and I spoke to them and I said, you know, these are my concerns. Of course, I want to do what is best for Kat, but I need I need your eyes on this. And so and they, of course, because we've been through a lot together, said, we'll call the orthodontist, we'll get all of the panels sent over to us, and we will look at it and get back to you next week. Of course, we'll take a look. And here's the thing, none of this necessarily, (laughs) I called my mother then right after that, and mama was like, look, no matter what you wind up doing, and no matter what the outcome, you will always, always question if it was the right thing. And that sucks. And I I know that that's true. But I felt like 
I took the control where I could take the control yeah. to find the information from sources that I really trust. Yes. So that I can make a decision that I can live with. Yeah. And that that is the genius. That is so good. It's so oh, good. Thank you. Hello, this is Jennifer from Naples. I'm calling with a genius that may turn into a fail. I like to sew, and right now my girls are playing with stick magnets and picking up pins off the ground. But they're also taking pins out of the pin cushion and scattering on the floor and then picking them back up again. They're occupied. I'm sewing. We're all happy. But again, this may be a fail later. Thank you. Bye. Sure. It's like giving your kid a mason jar in the bathtub. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is fun for now. Yeah. yeah. I. <laughs> yes. Look, the genius is that you recognized that you had a moment yeah. to do something you needed to do. Yeah. Sure. This could result in somebody getting stuck. Or, I, yeah, what? I, I would argue that this is less dangerous than the mason jar in the bathtub, actually. <laughs> no, 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 no. What are you talking about? I'm setting my yeah. mason jar fail as the, like, standard. <laughs> yeah. All right, fair enough. This is not as bad as giving your child glass to play with in the bathtub. <laughs> this is more, this is more of a, oops, I spilled hot sauce. On the floor. Do you I mean, think it's, it's like, I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, what I'm relating to about this is there's this thing that happens when your kids are some age, like past toddler, like around, like a little older yeah. than toddler, where you start to realize like stuff that was like a huge no-no. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like, oh, well, they can hold, like, like if a kid finds a thumbtack and brings it to me, yeah. it used to be like, oh my God, you're holding a thumbtack. But now it's like, <laughs> oh, thanks for the thumbtack. Thanks yeah. for picking that up. And like, I, I don't, like, the worst that can happen is like a quick ouch. Yeah. And then it's like, there's no. Oh, that ain't the worst that can well, happen. I know, just, yeah. They're That's probably not no. going to swallow it, right? Like, they're probably not going to swallow it. And then it. I lost my eye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Look, All right. here's the thing. You're genius. Yeah, you're, you're genius. genius. for yeah. accepting the risk for that moment of pleasure. Good, good job. Yes. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. I ate hummus that expired two months ago. Ooh! <laughs> and wow. I was eating it. Okay, a it was lot? it was Did one you eat of those for a while. Kinda. <laughs> like I was. So here's what happened. I got it from the fridge. I didn't remember that we had hummus, but like, it was oh, unopened, and I thought, oh, it must be from like the last time Jesse went sure. to Trader Joe's or whatever. Like not that long ago. Well, it was from a prior trip to yeah. Trader Joe's. Yeah. And so I opened the wrapper. It looked okay. I was eating it. It did taste weird. Yeah. It tasted weird. Okay. And I was like, huh, this tastes weird. Oh, well, I'm hungry. I don't have, like, I'm just going to yeah. eat some. I was. It was like a rushing yeah. type thing. And then more time passed while uh -huh. I was eating it. And then I yeah. thought, I'm just going to look and see. Yeah. All I probably right. had I probably had three tablespoons of it by then. Yeah. 
And oh, two yeah. months. I mean, we're not just talking a little past. Like a week. Two months expired. Would have been pulled from the shelves by that Definitely. point. Definitely. I like how this story sets up where it sounds like, I found surprise hummus. <laughs> where did this hummus come from? Yeah. It's surprise hummus. Yeah. It's all for me. Yeah. And you're like, I also like the idea, if this tastes funny, did he get the garlic? Yeah. What is this? What is this? Did he get the? Is this like a fruity one? Is this like? Do they make a fruity one now? Gross! (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's. That is. I am so broken Mm -hmm. as a person these days that it. I'm not sure what could impress me as a fail anymore. I know. I'm like, hey, Teresa ate the two-month-old hummus. Yep. You know, like, I don't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's All right. true. Well, you're doing, ugh. You're just, yeah. That's just gross. You're yep. just gross. gross. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. You're just gross. Yeah. Okay. I believe I have mentioned that we've been tearing up the backyard to mm-hmm. read and help the joy I have gotten from being out there. To, in fact, during the drive, some of you watched me tear it up and find treasures and all, all this kind of fun stuff. We've done a great job. We have ripped up almost all of the backyard. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, my parents are officially moving out here, and we are now officially deciding to build a little house in the backyard so we can't do any of the work that we were going to do on the backyard. (laughs) And so just in time for summer, we just have turned over dirt backyard. So every time there's a wind... All of the seating just gets covered in dirt. And, like, there's no yeah. – it's just dirt, guys. Yeah. Like, dirt. Yeah. yeah. Dirt. Yeah. It's not – That's not it's where not you want anything. to go not and hang out. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, it's like a punishment. Opposite. Like, yeah. go out in the backyard. Go out in the backyard. Try not to step – wear shoes. God, wear shoes. Wear boots for that wear, matter. Yeah. No, you can't turn the hose on. <laughs> and, oh, and all the neighborhood cats. Oh, uh, yeah. Find it. Yeah. Are thankful. They are very grateful. Yeah. To us. Well, you're doing a service for them. Uh, doing a service for them, but a disservice for us. Hi, so I'm calling with a fail because my husband told me I needed to call and report this fail. We stopped at the bookstore with our 22-month-old daughter uh, while we were waiting for our pizza to get finished. And I walked out, I put her in her car seat, and her dad was coming out at the same time of the pizza place. And he usually rides in the back with her. And so I just started driving because I assumed she was fastened in, and we got... I don't know, a little ways down the road, and she's just turning around in her car seat like there's no tomorrow, and we're very confused. And then my husband says, did you not strap her in? And I had not strapped her in, and we would have just driven home without our daughter being strapped into her car seat. So I am failing, and he's here to co-sign. Thanks. He's doing a great job. I like that he's there right yeah. now next to you, and he's like, yeah. you better call this in. Yeah. Forgive me, Father. It has been yeah. 10 months since my yeah. last confession. Yeah. Hey, also, supportive dad, this could also have been your fault. Yeah. I, I feel like. It's everybody's fault. It's Yeah, it really. Yeah. Actually, yes, it is everybody's yeah. fault. Well, obviously, 
Teresa and I think that children should be buckled in. But I always <laughs> like to share these calls because it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. You're yeah. going to, there's a really good chance it's going to happen. I can remember days though where I was so like ah, fried that I would be taking like cat to school and I didn't have Ellis with me, but mm-hmm. I would have this sheer moment of panic yes, that I left Ellis somewhere. Yeah. Like just right. in a car seat, like on right. a in a store. Right. Yeah. So I, I haven't. <laughs> but you have failed. And I don't know. I don't know. Trusting that your husband would take care of it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you are not alone. Let's be honest. You guys were just thinking about your pizza. Pizza. I know. (laughs) You were. That pizza smelled. That ride of shame smelled delicious. Yeah. (laughs) You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Billy, the maker of the award-winning razor. Self-care and routine are so important right now. Whatever we're using to get ourselves ready for the day should make us feel amazing. Meet Billy for those days when you want an extra smooth shave. This is a really nice razor. It's very high quality and it comes with a very cute magnetic holder that you can put way up high in the shower so that it's just for you and nobody else. (laughs) You can go to mybilly.com to get their starter kit for just $9, which comes with that magnetic holder, their award-winning razor, and two refill blades. Go to mybilly.com slash mother and get the best razor you will ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit, plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash mother. Spelled M-Y-B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash mother. From the internationally acclaimed creators of Who Shot Ya comes the movie podcast Maximum Film. Starring producer and film festival programmer Drea Clark as a woman bound by passion. I saw this eight months ago on the festival circuit, and I loved it. Film critic Alonzo Duralde as a man corrupted by greed. Why watch one Hallmark Christmas movie when I can watch seven? And comedian Ifiwadiwe as a man protecting a love that society simply won't accept. I think Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. And if you can't accept that, then I want you out of my life. From the makers of the movie podcast, Who Shot Ya, comes Maximum Film. That's right. We changed the name of our show to Maximum Film. But don't worry. We're still a movie review show that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. So tune in to Maximum Film at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Jesse. What you're about to hear is real. Hey, this is Chris. Hi, Chris. It's Jesse calling from Maximum Fun. Hey, Jesse. I heard that you got into a car accident. 
Yeah, I was listening to Stop Podcasting Yourself and I just laughed so hard that I uh, slammed into a construction barrier. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Do you remember what it was that was so funny? I will never forget, I'm sure. They started talking about Vegas and the, you know, if it happens here, it stays here and that slogan. And then Graham was talking about, oh, you know, wasn't there some other slogan for another commercial? I was like a commercial for food and it said like whatever's in there stays in there i can't remember what it was clams or something (laughs) 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 clams just so ridiculous and man i got lightheaded i was laughing so hard (laughs) next thing i know (laughs) smash they are they are just brilliantly funny so i talked to dave and graham from stop podcasting yourself we would like to pay your car repair bill is that okay that, I mean, that would be super nice, Jesse. I really uh, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, everybody. It is time to settle in and listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, One Bad Mother. This is a rant. So I just spent $6,500 on braces for my child. I just, I can't, 6500 to pay someone to torture my kid basically because it won't stop whining about how much it hurts and I paid for that and do you have any idea what I would have preferred to do with $6,500 oh my god I could give you a list a mile long of lots of things I would rather spend $6,500 on and I can't I I can't complain to anybody about this because my daughter is the one who's in pain and it's just us at home so I'm complaining to you guys because I know that you see me and, and you care and that's way too much money to spend on something as miserable as braces. <laughs> this sucks. I hope everybody else is having a better day and we're all doing a great job, right? <laughs> Thank you for the hotline and the podcast. I love you guys. Bye. Yes, you are doing a good job. And yes, this is who you call to complain to. Braces? are terrifying not not like the actual act of braces but like all the like i just said we were at the orthodontist i didn't get into the cost you know i didn't even get into like the the fear and panic and like they kind of set you we'll separately talk about that and they like here's this sheet and like i like it's like am i buying a car and like it's very stressful and of course of course you are a good parent you know that this is really shitty for your kid. I that is that just shows what a good job you are doing, but that does not uh, alleviate the stress of that cost. It's really that's a, you're right. I think we should actually set up a thread of just what would you spend that sixty five hundred dollars on if oh, not yeah. braces? I would love to read that. Yes. Yeah, I would yeah. spend it on candles that smell good. Not $6,500 worth, but like, you know. That's one of the items. One of the items. Yeah. Some wine that I like. A weekend at a nice hotel. Yeah. What would you, can you, what's the top of your head? You have $6,500. You don't have to spend it on your kids. What? Oh, well, I'm just thinking, like, I was thinking you, assume you have to spend it on your kids. Like, let's, let's like go to Disneyland or let's go to Hawaii or something. Like. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You've been, the pandemic, <laughs> the pandemic's ruined you. Oh, yeah. 
Don't spend it on your children. You spend it on yourself. Hmm. <laughs> that, um, there, what What is that? What is self? I don't know, but I am willing to use that money to find out. <laughs> Great. Look, you're doing a very good job. It is, it's such a, like, stressful thing that you're going through. And you have to, like, there really is a point when you've had to do something for your kids that that they need to do for you know medical reasons or whatever like braces and you have to be able to have the space to listen to them complain about it because that is their right at the same time I know there's also that place of okay I've heard that (laughs) you're right I've heard it you know, you get three days to complain, and then after that, I don't want to hear it, right? Like, <laughs> there's no, like, cap, you know, for that. And so you've got to, like, uh, I don't know. I think you're amazing. Yeah, you're doing an amazing job. You really yeah. are. And, and like, that is so rant-worthy. Like, that yeah. is exactly the kind of thing where you, like, do it, and you do it because you feel like you have to, and you know you have to, and you know it's the right choice for you. But that yeah. doesn't make it, like, fine. Like, yeah. you still need to rant about that in order to get through it. Everybody, you are all doing a great job. I just, I, I, I feel like we are evolving past what did we learn today, and we need to get straight to the heart of what this show is all about. And that is reminding you what an absolutely excellent job you are doing because you are. As always, we'll link everybody up to where they can find out how to get copies of the Great Whipplethorpe Bug Collection, as well as all the other resources we tend to list in our show notes to help get through this wonderful pandemic. You're all amazing. Teresa, you are also amazing. You are doing such a good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.